Hello, Mustang fans, and welcome to another Ford Performance edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I'm your host, John Clore. You know, from my years with Auto Week Magazine, the Ford Special Vehicle Team, Ford Racing, and now Ford Performance, I've always known that everyone has a Mustang story. So to that end, I hope you are reading my efforts to tell your story in the enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com, as well as keeping up with the latest happenings in the Mustang hobby by checking out FordPerformanceClubConnect.com every week. My co-host is a Mustang hobby and industry expert who is perhaps best known as the longtime president of the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan, or Moxum, one of the largest and most active Mustang clubs on the continent, plus who also heads up Boxum for you Bronco owners, as well as being the new leader behind the International Council of Mustang Clubs, of course, I can only be talking about my friend Mike Ray. Mike, tonight we have a specialist for a Mustang that is near and dear to your own heart because you own Absolutely. one of these Absolutely. And, uh, yep, what the, my SBO Mustang was one of my first and one of my favorites. And tonight, if you're going to talk SVO Mustangs, Mike, there's only one guy you really need to talk to. And that's the guy out of Sudbury, Ontario, Canada, David LaRock, founder of the SVO Owners Association and the author of of what we all know to be the SVO Bible called Mustang SVO. The machine speaks for itself. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, David LaRock. David, thanks for joining us tonight. No problem. You're quite welcome. Enjoy the, uh, I will enjoy the conversation. Well, we, you know, you can't talk about Mustang uh, unless you talk about the Fox body because it was the only one of them that ran 15 years. And then you really can't talk about the Fox body unless you mention the SVO. And then, you know, I was at SVT and the precursor to SVT, uh, SVT yep. is created from the lessons learned yes, from the marketing mistakes is... at SEO. So we all have a For statement sure. in your background. But David, how did you get so, I'll say it, obsessed with the SVO Mustang? Uh, well, I had been following it since, well, the early 80s. I mean, you, you got to figure that I'm up here and I'm eight hours from Detroit, basically, and and four hours from Toronto, and we're sort of, I'm not in the automotive car culture down up, up here. So I built my own little car culture. But yeah, uh, I've been following since the, the early 80s. And uh, I was a pack rat. I bought all of those magazines, the rags, the motor trends, the any, you <laughs> name it. And they were all in my basement. And then, you know, I got to reading in the, in 85, 86 there, the SV was going out of production. So I says, well, I, I got to start looking. Um, by that time, I had gotten uh, a good job, and you know, I had some money put away, and I uh, I went looking, and I picked one up in in Toronto, in in February. I was at the auto show, and uh, and it, well, basically went from there. Um, it had interest in me just because it was a it was an esoteric vehicle. It's like you don't see them on every street corner, even now. Uh, there's none none up here. You see the one, and that's it. Um, but yeah, I uh, I got on the SVO bandwagon early, and uh, and it's been going going strong since. No, you've never gotten off. That's, no, I know. <laughs> but you know, the, the cool thing, um, you know, the how the SVO Mustang for those people who are not savvy enough, 
it was uh, it, it was just different enough to me for a Mustang person to say, "Wow, what's that?" You know, with the wing and the you know, they could immediately tell that it didn't have the four lugs. I mean, there there are certain things about that car with that offset scoop, and there, there we knew immediately this is something special. But some people may not know the story of this car and how you know the engineers. That's that's what got you going. I know. That's what captivated captivated me more. I mean, the car too, but it's just the story behind it. You got these. 10 engineers working away and Ford, meanwhile, back in the early eighties, Ford, what did they lose? Three and a half billion dollars in 1982. Yeah. Something like that. And then you've got these 10 engineers working to their heart's content. Meanwhile, Ford everywhere else in Ford, it's just hellacious. And, but there was, to me, it was a story that captivated, captivated me is just how they went about the car, what the, the new processes and how they got it out. And cause it was a battle. I mean, when my in my interviews with the engineers, that's what the, the big thing was. Is you know we the, we had to fight for every inch. We had to fight for everything we needed, and it was never ended. It was like from the day they ban, began development to the time the car got out in in the fall of '83. It was just a battle. Well, you know, David. To that end, there were um, advances made to the Mustang GT, and you know, as it was getting more and more horsepower, people you know, and and the the price point on those early V8 Mustangs was so remarkable that when oh, yeah. all the engineering had to go into the SVO to make it a different kind of driving experience. And then people would say, well, do I pay a premium to get the four cylinder or do I, you know, just buy a GT like, like Mike Ray uh, decided, Hey, I've seen enough of Mike Ray's friends rolling in their five Oh Mike, yeah. what attracted you to the SVO? It was just different. That was the big thing. It yeah, was, it, it was it, no one else had one, and I wanted yeah. that one. I bought my 86 in 1992, and I kept it all the way to 2005 when the, the S197 came out. I, would just, I just fell in love with that car. So I sold the SVO then to buy the S197. But, I mean, as far as, Mike, you know, a lot of your guys, the contemporary 5.0 Mustangs, um, they they didn't know what to think of this SVO. You know, they made that no. kind of power out of a small engine, and it didn't have all that big uh, anchor over its front tires, and it was so nimble, and and it sounded way different, and big brakes. I mean, it's a different driving experience, totally. They all, but they all wanted that those sail panels and the and the rear spoiler off it for their their cars. Though <laughs> there was they for sure did. Um, but yeah, I loved it because it was just different, and I had jalapeno red. Oh, you know, yeah. That's yep. so, David. So once you found about this story, how like the question is, you know, a lot has been written about the car, um, and people. There are some people that you know have done some research and talked to a few people, but you somehow got the inside skinny. Now we're not going. You don't have to tell us your secrets or that you broke into Ford and stole a bunch of documents, but you've got <laughs> some great stuff. Yeah, I can't tell you that story. Story. Okay, story. Good. I did. <laughs> Sorry, folks out there in the podcast. It was yeah. Now, how he got these internal documents, but um, Mike, if you're still going to get that book, that's what makes David's Bible on the SVO so cool. Is that you're seeing the thinking that was going on with the notes and the the the, the materials he had from inside Ford. Well, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, I wanted to tell the story. I didn't want to, you know, extend it to you know to BS it. I wanted me. My focus was to. I did the, my research. I, I well, the engineers. They gave. I've got. I've got illustrations here that I could probably put an SVO together in my backyard. <laughs> but they gave me all of that information, 
and they, well, they trusted me and it was a matter of trust. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember going to see Bob, Bob Nakestad. He was my first contact and he was sitting in his chair out in, uh, he was in, in Dearborn. He's his big armchair and he's pretty imposing. But anyways, it went from there, you know, him, him got, got some numbers off of him and I started to, uh, get the, the, the word got out that there was a, uh, somebody looking to, uh, you know, doing some research on the vehicle. But yeah, it's uh, it's um, it was a project, and it's I wanted to tell the story. I didn't want to BS it. I wanted this is exactly, and I wanted to put as much detail in it, details in it as possible. And I guess that's why it took me ten years to write it. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> no, that, that David, you have to know that I mean, internally when people would come into SVT and they want to write something, there was always a little bit of suspicion. What yeah. do they want to know? Are they going to spill the beans? But you had to know that when you went and talked to those guys, they could see that you had SVO passion, but also yeah. um, very few chances on these small groups at Ford do people get to document a history to, to, to make it accurate. And I think what you did with your book is to, to bring in these guys trusted a, a passionate SVO person to tell their story because had you not done it, David, that wouldn't I have got think, done. No, I, the real story would never be out. I mean, how would that happen? With well, most of those players are gone now. Um, yeah. How would how would someone do it, that? It 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 wouldn't have gone out. Uh, I guess I was there just at the right time. I don't know if that's, but uh, yeah, it, it it took somebody that was you know extremely focused and be to to begin and undertake that research because it just. It was it was a slog. I mean, I I remember t it was just it was tough, just to getting that getting the putting the information together, you know, organizing it, and then and like it took me ten years, and it was tough. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Well, those guys were, you know, you had to admit, those guys were kind of looking over their shoulders. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you don't realize this, SVO, you know, you know we all remember the parts catalog. But the engineers behind that card, you know, they somehow sold the idea that they could engineer with their specific parts on a Mustang, uh, a road-going Mustang that would be like no other. And they believed they could sell a whole boatload of them. And somehow, it's an, in, it's an internal group, yet somehow they were given the green light to go ahead and do it. That doesn't happen at Ford. No, unless, no and, it you know, doesn't. This, this is prior to, you know, SVT learned lessons what happened to SVO and decided to create itself differently on the marketing side. But SVO was unique in that this was coming out of a car approved out of mainstream to let basically a bunch of wrenches go at it and come up with a car. That's, so, that's what's, that's what just captivated, captivated me with the, the stories is how they went about how they did it. Well, do you believe the turbocharging was its uh, calling card? I mean, that was new technology to the Mustang, mm -hmm. and or was that its Achilles heel? What? How do you feel about? Well, Mustangers are, I guess I call it V8ers. Mm -hmm. Mustang Mustang owners are V8s. 
They love their V8s. And the market for the SVO, it was limited. And especially just without the, they didn't have the engineering dollars to work on the interior, work on the, you know, the, 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 the touch points. Uh, but Mustangs owners are V8s. And then with the, 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 the price difference, my car in 86, when I bought it, it was 22,000 out the door Canadian. Wow. And, you know, you can, but it's, it's, and it's still like that. Mustangs enjoy their V8s and they want V8s. It's, they just don't, they don't, cons, they don't consider a Mustang as a, as a, as anything else but a V8. Well, I'll tell you the turbo, uh, it changed a lot of opinions. And oh I, yeah, I, you know we were uh, we were working on uh, Ford Performance when we knew uh, the emission and the CO two standards were coming to get us, and you know the Coyote program was doing as best it could, and we had to, the V six when Parasac came out with that for the S five fifty. The whole idea was, hey, let's return to the idea of a two three turbocharge, and and I heard somebody say. Oh, they'll never put a two-three turbo on a Mustang again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike, how many EcoBoost Mustangs do you sell out of Gorno for? <laughs> Absolutely a ton. And you notice that the V6 is gone now, not the EcoBoost. Right, right. Oh, that's a good point. And Mike, do you get? I mean, you know, you're you're in the club and the hobby, and people come in to buy the car and they ask your opinion. People that drive the four-cylinder turbo, they're they're stunned. Well, yeah, you. You got to remember, so the new two threes right now, I was just talking about my S197 that I sold my SVO for. My GT um, in 2005, the, the new EcoBoost today has more horsepower than that yep. did, and that was oh, a V8. Yeah. So it's it's a lot more power these days, so the technology is really advanced. And, yeah, an EcoBoost is no slouch of a Mustang, that's for sure. Oh, oh no. And, and back then, you know, the, uh, David, I don't know the stories you've told. I, I, did you ever get to talk to like, guys like John Plant and – Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, those guys, you know, he, John came from BMW and they yep. understood yep. balance, um, a balanced car. They understood yep. about the way the car's stance is and how it uh, transfers weight. And, you know, I, I think that's what you had the, the engineering side. But the problem was, David, it didn't sell the way. What was the number that we were trying to shoot for? They were they were shooting for 10. 10,000 10, uh, why, why didn't 10, they 10,000 like, 10, a year it was, it was ridiculous. It, they never came close to what they what they wanted to sell no it's all wrong 9844 maybe under 10,000 units yeah but uh, it wasn't even close to what they wanted to sell and, and why do you think that was well again it's the it's the price it's the the the, the mustangers are they enjoy their V8s, then people just didn't appreciate and understand the history of the vehicle, the, the behind the vehicle, the, the engineering. Um, they, you got to, John Plant and Michael Crane, of course, they're the, they may have been the, the two that, they, they really pushed that four-cylinder. They really pushed that four-cylinder. And, you know, that, in the end, that was an Achilles heel to for overall market acceptance for that vehicle just because the it wasn't a v8 that's yeah. just that's well my you name. know from my experience with it and i and i knew john he was my first marketing manager at svt for a brief moment um yeah uh, but from my experience some of what i was able to garner and you can help me out on this the the 
the way people looked at the car, it was a culture shift for Mustang. Oh, so yeah. Not only was sure. it an engineering marvel, you know, uh, it was a, it's a road going, a road course kind of car, and Mustang wasn't that back then. Um, so not only did you have to create a new um, feeling about Mustang, you know, like in the BMW driver's car vein, but then you had the price. So you would walk into your Ford dealer and, and they would have uh, a salesman come up to you and they, they tell you about uh, SVO and they didn't really know a lot about the technology No, uh, because they weren't trained on it. They, and the guy would say, well, why is that car more than the V850? That was another one of the big Achilles, another yeah. one of the big Achilles heel, I guess, is the marketing aspect. Yeah, and so, and they, so would, they buy the, they would buy the cheaper, yeah, they buy the cheaper V8. Yeah. Yeah. And it was and, um, easier for a salesperson to see here, buy the GT. Yeah. Yeah. And then unlike Mike Ray, uh, they told me about Mike, and I don't know if this is true, but they told me that then when most of the SVO buyers were going in, they knew more about the SVO Mustang than the salesman yep. did. I did. And oh, and, yeah. then, and then when they heard him not understand the car and it was much easier to sell the V8, they that, they figured, well, that's the problem. And most of those guys were wearing lime green pants and white belt and white shoes. So, Mike, never buy a car from some salesman wearing lime green pants, a white belt, and white shoes. Is that true? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And still to this day, um, so many dealerships do not like, so my, I'm a performance manager at, at my dealership, but so many dealerships do not have that position. And you walk in and uh, somebody says, what's the difference between the GT and a Roush? Well, this one yeah. looks a little bit different. Well, yeah. why is it $40,000 more? You yeah. know, they don't know these things, so they're not educated on them. So you're right. If you're a car guy and you're researching and want to be involved, and know everything about that car before you go purchase one, you're going to definitely have more knowledge than most of the salespeople out there. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, that was a big issue, for sure. That and the price. Well, which is what set uh, SVT apart because the way yep. it was built on the marketing, and we had its own yep. marketing arm. And from John Plant starting with the original concept of what made it different, that was the pitch. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't about knuckle dragon horsepower. And it's all about subtlety, and it was about the, the enthusiast would know, but maybe Joe Blow would know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's uh, still today. Two things bother people in the SVO world, David. One is a guy that's got a pretty good car, and he parts it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's uh What happens? Really? I hear people swear, and what's going on with oh, the I just we, There was one on the forum today. The guy got raked big time because oh, he no. parted it out. Oh no! Well, oh, I, it was yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, well, people want to well, save, but you can't save everyone, David. No, you can't. No, and that's what—that's the issue. Why you need parts and you want to save them? So what's? It's a balancing act. How difficult is an SVO Mustang rest, restoration? The uh, the uh, unique parts are difficult to find. Uh, just being able to work on the engine, the the electronics and stuff, and just it's it's difficult. I I, I would say, you, you, but then you're gonna have some people. Oh, it's easy. I read that. Oh, it's easy on the uh, on the Mustang forums, SEO forums. Oh, it's easy to find parts. Well, you gotta have money, and you gotta be right there. And it's 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 it's, uh, it's a project, and it's a difficult project to to restore. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, everyone I see at a car show, you got to respect it. That The guy brings it to the show, still drives yep. it. Yeah. Um, those cars, uh, you know, in their short-lived time on this planet, uh, mm-hmm. appreciate, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, should appreciate the fact that an engineer uh, got involved and tried to make a car that you'd love. Uh, where did the um, the comment, the, uh, the tagline come at the machine speaks for itself? That was part of their advertising, their print advertising. They had a big. Uh, where is it now? They had that's. It was part of their. It was the big uh, on their print advertising. They had some of the uh, on there's um, one print. It was an advertisement. They got the silver eighty four with mm-hmm. about. Well, I think just about eighteen to twenty. All of the person SVO personnel in the background. And right. you know these are the men. This is the machine. And then the machine speaks for itself. Was somewhere the. Uh, it's basically because the machine does speak for itself. You you've got the you've got the unique parts. You've got the the unique engineering. You've got the unique story behind the car. So the yeah, machine and, does speak for itself. It, it does to enthusiasts. But I'm here to tell you, David and Mike, you can vouch for this. Um, to the untrained eye, to the when you're trying to change the culture, mm-hmm. um, people don't the machine. You know, they didn't speak to some people because. They didn't know enough about the differences in the car to appreciate yep. why there was a, a little bit of a walk in price. And I don't think it it was able to jump over that marketing hurdle. And and Mike, as you pointed out earlier, uh, when you're selling a car and someone wants to know about it, the more you can inform them of why they're paying for something, the more likelihood they'll pay for it if they like what you're saying and telling them, showing them the value. In that knowledge is power. Knowledge is definitely power. And uh, yeah, you definitely need that when you're doing something like that. But I agree with David is that, you know, the majority of Mustang people, yeah, you're gonna be like, well, why would I pay more for a four cylinder when I can just get the V8? You know what I mean? And I think that was the big thing. uh, Back back in those days. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Yeah. for sure. Well, Mike, you know, we've been lucky. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, if you look on the long playlist of the Mustang Owners podcast, you'll see a couple of other disciples of Mustang who have written Bibles, um, Donald Farr. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you and I have to admit that the guy who wrote the Bible on the Boss 302 was Donald Farr. Um, yeah, and so that gets me to my next point is my two missing books in my collection, are Donald <laughs> Farr's Boss 302 book. I have that the one. original one <laughs> and David's SVO book. Those well, are that's, the two that are missing off my shelf. That's why we're going to put it to David because <laughs> – when Donald Farr did his paperback Boss Through a Two Book, it was it was a very low run, uh, published run, and then it became uh, unobtainium, and then it, it, you couldn't find them anywhere. Then the price went from forty to fifty to a hundred to one hundred fifty to two hundred. I remember um, ten years ago trying to find one. One with a cover ripped off was three hundred dollars on eBay because it was that's why Di- Donald decided to redo his book in print when the oh, new Boss Through yeah, Two. Yeah. So he wrote the Bible, and then Mike, you and I ourselves. Um, uh, interviewed another Bible writer, um, Paul Newitt, who did the G- California Special Bible on his yep. book. Yep. 
So, David, yeah. why is your book so hard to get? It's not hard to get. It's it's so it's price price the price point. I print on demand. I don't print. I did not print two three thousand copies back in two thousand and four. I just didn't want to have you know three thousand books sitting in my basement or <laughs> you know X amount of dollars uh, uh, sitting there. Right. Um, now what I've done to to counteract that. And back in about a year and a half ago, I did a special run of about 150 books. I was able to reduce the price. Again, in July, come 2015 for the show, the Fox Fest, I'm doing another special run. So that's going to, I'm going to be able to offer a quite a very aggressive price point on my book. You just well, make sure you reserve one for me, David. Oh, please. I will. <laughs> I will. So tell, yeah. us, tell us a little bit about that, David, how you got... Uh, and with Bill Butler, you know, Mikey, we've helped Bill. Uh, we re really love the idea of a Motor City Fox Fest after seeing uh, Foxtoberfest and the uh, Fox Chocolate Fest and all the Fox shows going on. Um, and bringing it to the Fordville headquarters on July 15th, that's going to be something. But how? Uh, what are you guys planning to do, David, for the SVO? We've got uh, SVOCA coming in, and we've got the – we're hope well, we want to get as many SVOs there, but I'm I've been working on a little project. It's like a PowerPoint. And I and again I'm pulling all of my resources I have here, trying to doing a a presentation that will be of interest to, to anybody there. And we're just gonna to try to get as many interesting uh I've got an eighty four SVO coming in, Canadian DSO with three hundred and seventy three kilometers on it. It's still not titled. It's coming in from uh, from wow. London. Wow! And uh, yeah, so we're just trying to get as many cars out as possible. And I'm just and myself personally, I'm trying to you know working on this presentation, and I'll be bringing out my I have a display of basically almost everything I I have in my possession. And yeah, it's just so everybody who comes out, they'll be you know come on over to the tent and uh, come say hello and. Have a look at uh, what we've got. Uh, what's what's out on on display? Well, that's the that's going to be the time to meet you then, and maybe maybe grab a book. So I think Mike Ray's going to be first one in line. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely will. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll be there. And ladies and gentlemen, if you have a Fox body and you're interested in coming out to the Fox Fest at Motor City Fox Fest. And that's at Ford World Headquarters in Dearborn on July 15th. And getting to meet David LaRock and also getting to see some of these fantastic SVOs. They all plan to be there. This group hasn't gotten together in a long while to see uh, and meet the, the real true believers and experts in the Mustang SVO. This is your chance. So this I would say don't listen. Time, time is now. Yeah. It may not happen again. Right. Uh, this, is, this is that one moment in time. Everybody's getting older. Yeah. Well, except Mike Ray. He, except Mike Ray. Yeah, yes. he, yeah Mike. You, <laughs> hey, Mike. I saw you on a Zoom meeting. Do you use uh, oil valet? <laughs> that stuff hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, Mike. Uh, I know you've got your Fox convertible, but um, if had you hung on to that SVO, that would still be one of your favorites, I'm sure. Yeah, but you know what, John? If I wouldn't have had, if I would have kept that SBO, I might not have never been involved in the Mustang world as it is today. Because buying the old five is what got me into the club, and then basically changed my life forever. And it all started with an SVO Mustang. 
This yep. changed my life forever. <laughs> yeah, buying it. <laughs> well, David, I, I can't tell you how excited we are to not only see you and bring and see yep. all the, the people that come to follow the Mustang SVO, and uh, to have you there at the Motor City Fox Fest. Uh, it's going to be a great time. We're looking forward to seeing you there. And ladies and gentlemen, again, if you if you ever wanted to learn more about this car, you'll have no more greater uh, base of knowledge than what's going to be at Motor City Fox Fest. So check it out this summer. David, again, thank you for joining us tonight. You're you quite Open. welcome. All right. You take Please. care, John and Mike. Well, our pleasure. Talk, talk later. We'll see you at the world headquarters. We'll do. Bye-bye. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mustang Owners Podcast. So until next time, we'll just have to catch you down the road.